Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Nap Time is Sacred podcast where we share stories of Muslim women doing amazing work. I'm your host Fosia Abdullahi. Hey guys, on this episode I have with me Nabira Chaudhry who is a counselor and life coach. She assists stressed, unhappy, burnt out Muslim women who want to discover a way to manage their anxiety, frustration, and feelings of depression by taking charge of their life. She's also the co-author of an ebook called From Burnout to Bliss, A Muslim Woman's Guide to Self-Care. She has worked with hundreds of women from around the world for 10 years to learn, heal, and grow through one-on-one counseling and life coaching, as well as online and live workshops. Check out the show notes for how you guys can connect with Nabira on Facebook and Instagram, as well as where you guys can purchase her ebook. Let's get right into today's episode. Assalamu everyone. This is the Nap Time is Sacred podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode. Today, I have another lovely, lovely, amazing Muslim sister here on the show with us. Her name is Nabira Chodhar. She's a counselor and a life coach. Nabira, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so happy to have you on. Assalamu alaikum. Jazakallah khair for having me. And I'm so excited. Jazakallah khair. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a counselor, you're a life coach, you're a mom, you've got tons of things going on. So just give our listeners a little bit of a preview of what you do and the type of work that you do. So I work with stressed, unhappy, burnt out Muslim moms who want to discover a way to manage their anxiety, frustrations and feelings of depression and those who want to take charge of their lives so they can build a better life and have relationships that they dream of. So I do counseling over the phone or on Skype. It's online because I talk to women from all around the world. Alhamdulillah, it's an amazing blessing have also co-authored an ebook. It's called From Burnout to Bliss. It's a Muslim mom's guide to self-care. Other than that, I have two kids. I have two girls. They are seven and three. I live in Toronto, Canada. I'm married, alhamdulillah. And uh, yeah, I do online work. I do local workshops. But yeah, I've been doing this for 10 plus years. Time flies. Alhamdulillah. So on today's episode, guys, we're going to be talking about emotional self-care and what it's all about. So tell us a little bit about what exactly emotional self-care is. Mm -hmm. So self-care, it includes behaviors and activities and skills that we do to take care of ourselves. And there are a lot of different parts of self-care that we need to pay attention to. You know, we need to take care of ourselves, give ourselves attention and nurture ourselves. And typically when it comes to self-care, people talk about physical self-care. So about, you know, going for a massage or, you know, eating cake, things like that. But there's so much more to that. So emotional self-care has to do with our behavior that influences our feelings and our feelings that affect our behavior, emotions that we have that guide us to interact with others and respond to others. And even the way you see yourself. So that's kind of what emotional self-care is, where you pay attention to your feelings. You focus on what works for you, what is good for you, and you do those things. So that's just simply what emotional self-care is. Okay, so tell us, why is it so important? I know that you mentioned like people usually pay more attention to like the physical things, the things that they can, like, you know, massages, getting a pedicure, going for walks, things like that. Why is it important to also take care of the psychological aspect of your self-care? Yeah. So emotional self-care is really important because you don't really understand the effects of it until much, much later. So for example, I've had many clients who have been, let's say, say married and have kids and 
you know, many years later, they have realized that they're not happy with where they are right now because maybe they have accepted things and done things that they maybe didn't want to do, but they just kind of, you know, let that happen and they didn't really realize the effects of it. But right now they might be going through, you know, some kind of depression. I'm not saying all depression is because of that. There's different types of depression too, but you know, there's uh, some kind of depression or some anxiety, some fears, doubts, and also like, you know, having a life that is not under your control anymore. It's kind of led by other people's schedules, other people's plans, and you just kind of fall into it. So if you don't, you know, pay attention to yourself, you you might end up in a place like that. You might end up being burnt out emotionally and mentally. Of course, when you're physically burnt out, you know that you're physically burnt out. You know that you need to sit down, you need to take a nap, you need to rest, to drink coffee. But when you're emotionally burnt out, it comes out in different ways. It comes out in the way you talk to your family, the way you talk to your kids. There might be triggers that you have that you haven't paid attention to, but whenever certain topics come up, you just get super angry or super emotional. So Overall, it just it comes out in ways that are definitely not pleasing. And if you don't take care of it, then, you know, it, it, a lot of the times it gets worse over time. So it affects your quality of life. So I was listening to a TED Talks by Guy Winch where he was saying, who's a psychologist, by the way, who was saying that we experience more emotional trauma, especially things like failure or, you know, not having things turn out the way that we might have liked more than we would actually have physical traumas. And like you said, this leads to actual like decline in your health and lifespan and things like that. Why do you think that as a Muslim community, we don't take this seriously? I mean, I'm sure other communities don't as well, but I feel like there's a huge stigma in our community when it comes to taking care of your emotional health. From your experience, tell us a little bit about that and how we can maybe change the minds of the elders in our community. Well, first of all, if you think about it, it starts off with childhood. You know, we don't allow kids to express themselves, really. When the kids are upset, you're just like, like, it's okay, stop crying, stop crying, you know, move on, right? Or a kid falls and gets hurt, you're like, no, it's okay, you're fine, let's go, you know, go, go do something. So that's one thing, that we don't really have a healthy environment to express our emotions, Many times also culturally, we have to be good. We have to be obedient, which means we're not taught to say no, which means, you know, when it comes to, and this is something that, you know, we face as, you know, when we grow up is that, you know, many times women, they cannot say no. And, and another thing is like, you know, having to respect the elders and having all these expectations on women when it comes to, you know, you know as a mother, as a wife, as a daughter-in-law. <laughs> As a daughter-in-law, as a, as a daughter, as a teacher, as there are so many expectations, so many unrealistic expectations. So our culture is, you know, many cultures, I would say, designed in a way where you can't say no. You can't express your negative emotions because you're, you're being negative. Go take it somewhere else. Just pretend to be happy. We're expected to carry the emotional workload of the entire Absolutely. family. And you're given responsibility of other people's happiness. Yes. When a girl has to get married, you know, you're res responsible for your, you know, to take care of your husband, make sure you do this, make sure you do that. Don't do this. Make sure you cut blah, blah, blah. You prepare his clothes and you make sure you listen to him. So this is not, you know, men are not men or boys, I guess, are not taught that. Men are not bombarded with these messages to make sure to take care of your wife, make sure she's happy, make sure, you know, they're not taught that. So women are. So it's like, it's kind of, you know, like a combination of all these different things. So I just wanted to talk about three points 
as to how we can get started with it. Okay. So one thing I would say, the first thing I would say is that we have a lot of negative self-talk. So, you know, putting an end to that, or at least trying to decrease it as much as possible. So, so this is where, you know, like, you know, when we, like, if we feel a difficulty of some sort, and then we start putting pressure on ourselves that, you know, Allah gave me so much. Why do I feel bad about this? Why am I feeling sad? I should be happy. What kind of a Muslim am I? And then you kind of like, you know, go into this like deep, deep, dark place and you add guilt and shame on top of one another and it just gets too much to handle. So negative self-talk is something that, you know, it affects everything that we do. Sometimes we think that that's the humble thing to do, but it's not. You know, if you think about yourself in a positive way, you'll be able to be more productive. You'll be able to be nicer and more empathetic towards other people, towards your kids, towards your family members. So, you know, you can think about, you know, how to be kind to yourself because we don't really pay attention to what we're saying. But when you, you know, screw up or when you make a mistake or you fail in something, instead of calling yourself names like, you know, you're so dumb, you're so clumsy you're a procrastinator. And instead of saying things like that, like, you know, just be kind, just be warm and understanding like you would with your best friend. Because if your best friend comes to you and says that, you know what, I made this mistake. I don't know how I did this. You're not going to be like, oh, you're so dumb. You always make these mistakes all the time. You know, you don't do that to other people. So you cannot do that to yourself. So that's one thing. And also like, you know, when you want to change, instead of saying that, you know, that's just how I am. That's one thing that Like it irritates me so much. And I hear that because you're just giving up. There's no way you're going to change or improve or anything. So, you know, thinking about, okay, what can I do? What can I learn to be this or, you know, get better at this? The second thing is the way you can take care of yourself emotionally is to pay attention to who you're around. So if you have toxic people around, so that's, you know, people who, you know, when you're with them, you feel drained. When you're with them, your confidence decreases. You start questioning yourself. You become pessimistic. You become critical when you're around them. Or, you know, people who discourage you from, you know, pursuing your goals or discourage you for doing things that you want to do. So this is very tricky because many times, you know, we think that Islamically, especially when it's like, you know, parents or your spouse, we start thinking about, you know, like Islamically, like, you know, they have rights over us. And, you know, whenever they ask me to do certain things or come and help or go to this place or whatever, that you have to do it. And this is where I would say that, you know, start paying attention to what are the types of things that you're doing. And if it's bringing you any kind of joy, if it's bringing them any joy, and if you think that Allah will be happy with you, because, you know, sometimes people make them really miserable. They have, you know, it affects their marriage, it affects their parenting just because they're going out of their way to, I don't know, do extra things for their parents or something. I'm very close to my parents, so I'm not in any way saying that, like, you know, don't do things for your parents. But it's just one example where it comes up over and over again, where, you know, I had a client where her parents used to like, they had a pretty like difficult relationship, like it wasn't a healthy relationship. And she was kind of in between their fights all the time trying to mediate. But during that time, what happened was that she became distant from her husband. Her child started to pick up all these negativity while, you know, they're there. So this is a place where, you know, you need to kind of draw some boundaries and you need to decide that. Who are the types of people that you're hanging out with? 
How are they affecting your life? And the way you can do that is that, you know, not necessarily cutting them off, but being aware of what they're doing. So just an example is that Yaqub when he told Yusuf sorry, when Yusuf told his father about the dream that he saw, you know, about the, he saw 11 stars and the sun and the moon prostrating to him. So Yaqub told him that do not relate your vision to your brothers or they will arrange a plot against you. It's a beautiful example because he didn't he didn't badmouth the brothers. He didn't say bad things about the brothers, but he said that don't say it to them because he knows what they might, what they're capable of. So it's kind of like, you know, like keep a little bit of distance, keep some boundaries. So same thing, same thing for us, you know, having some boundaries. And also here, you know, like deciding how often you want to see them, uh, how long do you want to speak to them? If it's like a friend from high school or something, like if you even want them in your life, like if they're benefiting you in any way, your dunya or your akhira. So that's one thing that you can do. You can set boundaries. You can say no without being rude. And this needs a lot of practice because sometimes like we're not taught to say no. Or when we do say no, like, you know, there's like a lot of, like you get a lot of reaction. And so you don't want to say no, you're scared, but expect the reaction, expect some feathers to be ruffled, you know, expect that. And, you know, and say that. And lastly, I would say, if you feel like a victim, then you would never be able to fully be happy in that place. And by that, I mean that, you know, like understanding that your life is actually under your control. There are things that you can do, like it might be difficult, but there's things that you can do to actually plan and take control of what's happening with you and around you, especially, you know, when it comes to like, let's say housework or, you know, chores or things related to the kids or in-laws and things like that. If you keep agreeing to keep that role, then you'll never be able to get out of it. They will never understand. Because, you know, a lot of the times I have women who tell me, you know, and I ask them, you know, like, what do you want? Like, what are the things that you want to happen? Like, how do you want it to get better? What is it that you can do to make your situation better? And then a lot of the times it's like, I want her to do this. I want him to do this. I want this person to stop doing this. So it's kind of like, you know, you're putting your outcome in someone else's hands. That if they change, then I'll then I'll feel better. If they change, then I can be happy. But that's not how it is. No one's going to wait for you and no one's going to change for you and realize all of a sudden that, oh, she's actually having a hard time. Let me change. It's not going to happen. You have to make that happen. And all of this so a lot of it has to do with communication, but all of it falls under emotional self-care because it affects the way you feel. It affects the way you see your life. It affects the way you handle your relationships. Yeah. So how do you have this conversation with people in your life that you might need to like take a step back or have unrealistic expectations that are negatively affecting your life? Like, how do you, what do you do? How do you sit down with the person? Is it something that, you know, you put all the cards on the table or is it for, I mean, some people who are, I don't want to say harder, but people who might take a little more work to try to get them on board to the changes that you're trying to make in your life. How do you have those conversations? So I call these conversations difficult conversations <laughs> because they're truly difficult. Now, there are a couple of things. One is that, yes, with some people who are very important to you and you want them to uh, be on the same page. You sit, you sit with them and you talk to them that, you know what, this is what I want to do. You know, it has been affecting my life. You know, I've been serving these people or, 
doing certain things or not doing certain things. You know, like I haven't been able to focus on my goals. I haven't been able to take care of myself. I I haven't been getting time alone. So this is what I want to do. I want to start doing such and such a thing. So you can have certain conversations. With some people, I would say you don't even have those conversations, especially if it's not a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. So the toxic people in your life. The toxic people in your life. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to. Again, there's like so many different approaches because it depends also on your personality. I do not like confrontation. Yeah, same so, here. <laughs> so it'll be very difficult for me to like, you know, actually sit someone down and like talk to them about my boundaries. But maybe I can start, you know, there's actually one rule that I have that the, my phone works for me. I don't work for my phone. Mm-hmm. So for example, if people are calling me, I decide if I pick up or I, or I don't. Yeah. I decide if I get on a call with them or if I text them. So you can start off with that. Let's say like phone calls, like decreasing the number of phone calls. You can start doing that. That's how you could set your boundaries or you can set times. Like let's say someone wants to come over whenever they want. You can start setting time that, no, you can come over to my place anytime Friday evening. Mm -hmm. You kind of set certain boundaries. So yeah, so you don't necessarily like cut them off, but at the same time, you know, you make sure. And also taking a step back and thinking about like, what kind of a relationship do you want with them? Like, you know, how do you want things to be? One more thing is that you are not responsible for anyone's feelings. So this is very, very hard for us to kind of understand. Like, you know, you could help someone out, but if you say, if someone wants you to come help you move, for example, and if you say no, because you're busy or you don't feel like it or whatever your reason is, if you say no, and if they're upset about it, they are allowed to be upset about it. Yeah. You don't have to do something to make it up. You know, so again, this also goes back to the relationship, the type of relationship that you have. So for example, if a kid, you know, tries to touch, you know, the hot oven or something, you're not going to let your kid touch the oven. But if your kid cries, doesn't mean you give them the oven. You understand that they're upset because you stop them from doing something. It's not good for them and it's not good for you. So you let them feel it. You're there for them. You're supporting them. But that particular thing you can't do. There are many different approaches. And when I talk to women about it, I don't necessarily tell them that you do this, this and that. Some women choose to have these difficult conversations. Some women choose to set boundaries and kind of do it slowly. Some women like to be very upfront. Some women like to be just like very polite and kind of light about it. Yeah. So yeah, many approaches depending on how things are with you and even the people that you're dealing with. Awesome. Those are some great tips. When we're talking with other women, we kind of shy away from, not even just shy away, but a lot of topics, even amongst ourselves, are taboo. You know, illnesses are taboo. Mental health is a taboo. So how do we like talk to our friends about emotional self-care? How do we make it okay for people to share their experiences and learn from each other? Mm-hmm. I actually had a friend of mine who was whose kids were sick and I asked her, how are the kids? And then she's like, you know, they're doing blah, 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 whatever. And then I'm like, okay, so how are you doing? Are you okay? And then she's like, no one ever asked me. She's like, you know, it's been so many years and no one has asked me this question. So that's one thing. When, you know, your friends are going through things, ask them that, okay, so how do you feel about that? And let them talk. Another thing that happens a lot is that when someone does try to talk, we interrupt saying that, oh, well, at least this is okay. Or at least, 
you know, that was fine. You kind of, you know, minimize their issue. Yeah. And then we tried to make them feel better by, you know, saying that you think that's bad. You know what happened to me yesterday? And then you kind of, you know, like you share your story. It's hard enough to talk about your emotions. And if you're discouraged to talk about your emotions, like it's it's not going to happen. So that's one thing, you know, keeping it very safe and also like not advising people constantly, you know, if someone's going through something, you're like, oh, maybe you should do this. Oh, you should do that. Just let them talk, let it happen. And maybe sometimes even offer them like, you know, a friend of mine passed away recently. And my other friend, who's also my neighbor, she, she just messaged me and she's like, you know what, send your daughter. I can come pick up your daughter because she knows that I grieve quietly, you know? So she's like, you know, just send her like, I'm going to watch her. And I did just that. Like, I wasn't going to ask her, you know, what if she was busy and whatnot, but then she offered, she didn't offer that, oh, let me come, let me come over because she, she knows what works for me. So also, you know, like respecting your friends, like, you know, the way they deal with it and helping them with it, even if they don't ask. And also, you know, if someone is going through like a lot of difficulty, encourage them to go get counseling or therapy or coaching. Mashallah, I get a lot of people who come through word of mouth. So I'm happy that it has changed a lot because back in the days when I started doing that, when I started my practice like 10 or 11 years ago, it was very difficult. Like it was, you know, a lot of people wouldn't come, they wouldn't talk about it. But now a lot of people talk about it. Even a lot of older ladies, mashallah, they they seek help. And there's a show, there's a talk show in Bangladesh, this channel, and my aunts watch it. And then they told my mom to watch it and she watches it. So it's like, a bunch of psych, uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, they sit and they discuss different issues. They take calls and stuff. So I love that people are talking about it. People are talking about things that they haven't talked about before, that people are talking about miscarriages, you know, instead of saying that, oh, at least you have your son or your daughter yeah. or, you know, or yeah. at least the baby was two months old. It doesn't matter. Mm. You know, grief is grief. So yes. It's a good thing. And I think there should be more conversations. Like one of the things that I talk about once in a while is, you know, intimacy after motherhood, for example. It's, you know, things that people just don't talk about. People get very uncomfortable, but at the same time, like it's on your mind. You need help. If we don't talk about it, then who will? Because see, another thing with Muslim sisters is that many times they don't want to get help from, you know, non-Muslim professionals. So seek out Muslim professionals. If you don't want someone online, Look for people in your city. Ask imams for a recommendation. I wouldn't, you know, there are some imams, mashallah, who are trained and there are a lot of other imams who are not. So, you know, search for professionals and, you know, encourage each other to go and do that. One last thing, actually. I just, uh, I was invited to a private event over the weekend and it's a group of sisters. I think it's 10 sisters who get together once a month for a couple of hours and they just, they talk. And at the end of their meetup, they all put, put in money and one person takes that money and uses it for self-care. And the next month, it's another sister and the next month, another sister. So by the end of their, I don't know, like 10 meetups, everyone will kind of get that money. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. So And that money is dedicated to self-care. And when I went, I was invited there when I was talking. And then after that, they kind of picked a person's name. So one of the sisters who got the money the month before, she started going to the gym. Like she just took all of that money. She went to the gym and she said that I'll take the number of months that I can buy with this. Mm -hmm. And she just, you know, she just got herself into the gym and she just. That's awesome. You know, started. Yeah. So that was, so 
I think little things like that, like it would yeah, be very helpful. Yeah, it makes helpful. a huge difference because that's one thing that they probably all know that it's hard for them to take money from yes. you know, the household money to spend on ourselves. Absolutely. We'd rather go and pick out like 10 outfits for the kids instead of like, you know, going and getting something for us. So that's awesome that they have that practice in their group, mashallah. Yeah. And exactly what you said, you know, so many women have so much guilt when it comes to like spending money on yourself. But, you know, something that like my thing is, like, you know, always think long term. If you're going to be OK with this, if you're happy with this, great. But if you're not, you need to start making changes because these kids are going to be the ones who are getting yelled at. Yes. That you're going to be <laughs> resentful. You're going to be resentful towards your husband yeah. because, you know, you weren't able to do certain things after, for example, getting married or you had to do certain certain things for the in-laws when you didn't want to. Yeah. Like you will start hating them and it's going to start coming out. I mean, how many... Older women do we know who are so, you know, angry and miserable? I'm pretty sure they were very nice and sweet when they were young. Yeah. But over the years, if you don't take care of it, it is going to build up. Yeah, it becomes kind of a family tradition. Like, you know, the negative ways that you interact with your family turns into the way that your kids act, the way they act with their spouses and in-laws. And it's just, oh, yeah. it's just a cascading effect. So Absolutely. you've got all of these bunch of awesome tips, mashallah, that I hope everyone benefits from. But you as a life coach, tell us some of your self-care, emotional self-care practices that inshallah that we can also benefit from. Okay. So some of the things that I do now that I haven't done for a long time, and that's why I experienced the burnout. I experienced, you know, all the, the negativity. I experienced the resentment and the blues. So what I do right now, some of the things that are non-negotiable for me is I go to the gym three times a week. So what I did last year, what I started going to these hot yoga classes and then I moved. Mm -hmm. So now I don't do the hot yoga classes. I actually go work out and do weight training because I want to start, you know, strengthening my muscles and bones because that's very, very important for women, especially for women. Yes. That's something that is a non-negotiable. Obviously, if things are super, super difficult, then it goes down to like maybe two times a week or once. once. But generally I do that. I try to see my friends and, you know, I understand the importance of it because at one point I didn't drive. And at one point I had a child, you know, who was a baby and then became a toddler and then became a preschooler who was very highly sensitive. Yes. Very anxious. So it would be very difficult for me to like, you know, take her to places and stuff. And I became very distant from my friends, except for the friends who actually came, the single friends who came, who would actually, you know, come and visit me yeah. and, you know, bring me like, Cinnabons and stuff. So that's something that I do. Like I make sure I see my friends. If I can go out and see with them, I, I see them, then I invite them for for tea. Like it's not even fancy, you know, but I just like invite them over. And especially, you know, sometimes like the ones with toddlers, because I know yes. like how difficult it is. Or I would just, you know, just go out randomly because I like people. So I know so people who don't like people. Maybe you need alone time. Maybe you want to go out and eat by yourself or just sit quietly in a room with mm -hmm. your laptop. So I do that too. So I think I'm kind of like a mix. So yeah, so there's certain things like I try to maintain, you know, like, like a healthy quality family time. So not necessarily focusing on just quantity and feeling guilty because of that, but quality. Also quality time with my husband and quality time with myself. Also quality time with my friends. So I'm kind of like, you know, trying to get that done. Another thing that I do for my emotional self-care is my job. So if I don't work, if I don't 
do counseling or coaching, if I don't, you know, have clients or I'm not focusing or I'm procrastinating, it starts to get to me and it starts to like almost hurt me physically that I'm not, I'm not helping. I'm doing so much, you know, I like, you know, I have so much, I have these things that I can do to help people and I'm not doing it. So that actually like that hurts. So my working is like, it's part of my emotional self-care. And lastly, out of, um, I'm sure there are a couple more, but one of the other things is that I say no now. Like, so before I used to kind of pile on like a lot of different things, but now one of the things that I say is that I don't think it's going to work for me, but if it changes, then I'll let you know. Instead of saying that, oh, hmm, I'm not sure I'll let you know. Cause then you're leaving it open. Yeah. So if you kind of close it, that okay, thanks for letting me know. But you know, I don't think it'll work, but if it does, I'll let you know. Cause I, I, cause I have a hard time saying just, you know, straight up. No. Yeah. A lot of us can't, it's hard to say no, but that's awesome. Cause I mean, that's one of the major problems with women in general, especially like, and our sisters is that we're just like, yes, I'll do mm. this for you. Yes. I'll go here. Yes. I'll pick that up. Like mm-hmm. it's just constant. I mean, yeah. Saying yes is important sometimes as well, but mm-hmm. it's uh, even more important to know your own limitations and do it the things that actually make you happy. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I'm really glad to have had this conversation with you. And to end the episode, there's a couple of things that I wanted to talk to you about. The first being, you know, we try to motivate our sisters through the career choices and the path that other sisters have chosen. So just tell us a little bit about why you chose coaching and, um, you know, some of your tips and advice for someone who's interested in also getting in this field. Mm-hmm. Okay. So why I chose it. So I actually, it was, it was back in high school when I read this book, it was called seven habits of highly effective teens. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people have heard about highly effective people, the one by Stephen Covey. So the one about teens is it was written by his son, Sean Covey. So that book had changed my life at that time. I think I was 18 or, yeah, I think I was 18 at that time. Since then, I wanted to be a guidance counselor. So I wanted to do, you know, like counseling for, for like, you know, high school kids. I studied social work, but then because of like all the policy work and stuff, I wasn't that interested. I was just interested in counseling. I finished my diploma and then I switched and got a, got a degree in psychology and sociology because I wanted to just focus on counseling. It was kind of like, it was always in me counseling. And then a coaching certification, a life coaching certification, you know, came up while I was in university. So I got certified in that. It was very interesting for me. And I was pretty clear about the fact that I wanted to help people. And generally, even when I was in high school, like my friends would bring their friends to come talk to me, you know, to feel, yeah. to feel better about like their breakups or something. It was just like, naturally, it just happened. Like naturally, I just took that role. So I just, I always knew I wanted to do it. So there's really nothing else that I wanted to do. So that's how I became a life coach. And that's why I mix it up with counseling. Not a lot of coaches do that because the approach is different. But I find that because I'm trained in both and I feel like it works out mostly, you know, when I mix it up, depending on the type of issues that my clients have. So, and your second question was... Like, what are your tips and advice for someone who's trying to also get in the field? Okay, so someone who's trying to get in the field is, I would say, one step would be to kind of see where your strengths are. So for some people, it could be general life coaching. For some people, it could be parenting coaching. Uh, let's say if that's what they want to do. Uh, for some, it could be trauma if they have experience in it or that's something they're interested in. They could be business coach. So there are so many different types. So I think the first thing is just to figure out 
what you want to do, what you're interested in, and then look for experts in that field and uh, look for certification. There are lots of certifications. I would say just do your homework and look for reviews and look for results. See, you know, what kinds of things do they do? Like, don't just like fall for anybody. And that's also when it comes to coaches, because there are a lot of coaches and you want to find someone who's a good fit for you and see if, you know, their message resonates with you or if their style is something that you like, you know, because some people, they're really like a push and a kick. You know, some people like that tough love, whereas other people, they want, you know, like a softer, more gentler approach. Yeah, so that would be my advice. Just uh, look into it, study it and get your certification uh, and then get started. A lot of people get really scared to get started and start taking clients, but I would say just get started. Practice will make you a better coach. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about if you have any upcoming projects that you'd like everyone to know about where they can find some of your work and get in touch with you for some sessions. So yeah, I have a couple of upcoming projects that are super, super exciting. I'm working on that these days. So first of all, I do one-on-one coaching. So I think it's going to be in the show notes, right? My info? Yes. So that's one thing. You can do one-on-one coaching. I also, I'm going to start a very, very soon. I haven't set a date yet. Very soon, I'm going to start group coaching. I'm probably going to have two groups. So one is going to be more relating to emotional awareness, managing emotions, managing relationships, being more, more confident, taking care of yourself. One would probably focus on that. And the second one would be on overcoming self-doubt and overcoming lack of focus to actually, you know, set your goals and take steps to get things done. So that would be the second group. Also the ebook, I would highly recommend getting this ebook. This ebook, I co-authored this with my friend and colleague, she's a nutritionist, Nazima. And we worked on this ebook for nine months. And it's for self-care for mothers. So I take care of the emotional and psychological aspect of it. And she takes care of the physical aspect of it with like amazing advice and even recipes. And we have uh, stories of 12 or 15 women, I think, who come from, you know, from, you know, different countries and from different backgrounds and different experiences. And they share their journey of self-care and why they did that and how and stuff. I would love it if you can get this ebook and read it. And there are worksheets as well. So it's not just a book to read, but it's like actually, you know, to take steps and get work done. You can follow me on Instagram. I do Insta stories every once in a while. I give tips and all. And I have a Facebook group that I did a five-day self-care challenge. It was so much fun. It was just buzzing with excitement. It was it was just such a great experience. So the challenge has finished, but the challenges are still there. So you would like you could still do it. And, but overall it's a place Mm -hmm. where we have, you know, women supporting each other and, you know, sharing their struggles and encouraging each other and celebrating each other's wins. So it's a really nice and positive closed group. It's a private group where women, you know, they just come together and focus on self-care. So yeah, these are the different ways that can get in touch and different things that you can do to connect with me. That's awesome, Mashallah. So the last part that we're going to do is five rapid fire questions. So inshallah, you ready to go? Okay. Okay. So the first one is, what is one of the things that you would put on your bucket list? Going to India. I'm not from India, but I went to an Indian school when I was little. It was an Indian British school. I've always been wanting to go to India and just tour. That's cool, inshallah. So next question is, what is your favorite hobby? My favorite hobby would be going to the gym. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. 
So next question is, which TV sitcom family would you be a member of if you could pick one? Oh my God. Well, I'm not sure if I would want to be that, but I'm loving This Is Us, but it's like a kind of like a painful experience. <laughs> I'm yeah, not, it is. So I'm not really, I don't know. I'm not really sure. We'll see how the rest of the next season goes. <laughs> Maybe it gets better. So are you a morning person or a night person? I think I am a night person, but because of my lifestyle, because, you know, my kids and them, you know, like going to school and whatnot, I became a morning, like I'm forced to become a morning person. So I don't know, night person at heart. Okay, so what is one thing that you are currently learning? One thing that I'm currently learning is it's business related. So it's kind of like, you know, automating things. That's what I'm learning because there's a lot of people coming through the system and I'm kind of manually doing everything and that's tiring me out quite a bit. So I'm kind of learning to automate it and I'm learning to get help. Like I hired my like a, a virtual assistant. So, you know, delegating some tasks to her so she, she can take care of it, but, but it's hard. So it's a learning process. No, that's awesome. Mashallah. May Allah make it easy for you. And may you have uh, much, much more success in everything that you're doing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really, really excited to be talking about this emotional self-care and all the different tips and advice that you had for us. So inshallah, people benefit from it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I really appreciate it. And I'm really hoping that, you know, even if the listeners, even if all of you can't, take all the steps and do things. I would just say start taking baby steps just little by little. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be quick. You just have to move forward. That's awesome. That's a perfect place to end. For all the show notes, you guys check out the website as well as underneath whatever platform you're listening to this episode in. We'll have all of that there for you, especially the links to connect with Nabira as well as a link to purchasing her ebook. I hope you guys have a fabulous time. Take care. Assalamualaikum. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nap Time is Sacred podcast. Don't forget to subscribe in iTunes. And while you're at it, please leave a rate and review so we can get this podcast out to more people. To connect, you guys can find me on social media under the handle at Nap Time is Sacred. That's going to be on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, for more of my work and these episodes, check out naptimeissacred.com. Until next time, stay positive and work towards the life that you want.